got some folks back there to take the kids downstairs. If you'd like to go, head to the back, and they'll take you downstairs. I don't know if there's going to be anybody left up here. <laughs> I mean, they're all gone. Now. now, there's still a few of you. You're not quite that young, are you? Well, let's pray together as we get started. Father, we thank you for your love for us, and thank you for this opportunity now to open the Bible. We pray that you'll continue to speak to us, even as you have already been speaking to us through this music that we have been singing to you. And we pray that you'll continue to impress upon us the power that you have to change us, to make us your own, and then to make us more and more like Jesus. We pray your blessings on our children and those who are working with them downstairs, especially on a difficult day like this. And we thank you that they've come, and we pray your blessings upon them. And open our hearts to you that we might not only hear your word now, but be obedient to you. In the name of Christ we pray, amen. Well, let's open the Bible to 2 Corinthians 5.17. For a few minutes we're going to look at this great verse, a well-known verse. You've probably heard it many times. You may have memorized it. It's a great verse to memorize because it talks about the change that Jesus brings. It's not just an incidental kind of change or it's not just something like uh, other things we experience in life that Jesus does when we ask him to come into our lives. It, there is something that happens that is beyond anything of this world, actually. And this verse bears that out. And it really explains why the gospel is such good news. That's what the word gospel means, right? It means good news. And so when we talk about the gospel of Jesus Christ, we, we're saying there's good news because of Jesus. And the good news is that he changes us into something brand new. So listen to this verse again. We uh, said it together earlier. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. For this miracle to happen, the miracle of his change to happen in our lives, we have to first see the need for change, don't we? That's where a lot of people are. They don't see that there is a need for change in their life. And unless you uh, recognize that there is a need, you're not going to seek that change. Or you're not going to be open to it. That's true not only in relation to Christ, but it's true for everything we face in life, isn't it? If we don't recognize that there are pro uh, there's a problem and are willing to admit that to ourselves, then there's not going to be any change that will come. And that is supremely true in the spiritual realm. Unless we recognize that we are sinners and are separated from God by that sin, then we're not going to think there's anything urgent about receiving Christ and then living for him. There's a, there's a two-letter gigantic word there at the beginning of the verse, if. If is one of the biggest words in the English language, isn't it? Now, sometimes if in the Greek means if as the case is, 
But then sometimes it can be written in a way that it means if as it's up in the air. We don't know what's going to happen. And that's certainly true with every person who comes face to face with Jesus and the need to receive him. Will they receive him or not? Will they see the need to receive him? And if they do, will they then take the next step and actually do it? The Old Testament provides a great illustration of what is said in this verse because it says, if anyone is in Christ, in Christ. And so the salvation comes, the change comes when we are in Christ. That makes it a very distinctive thing uh, that turns our faith from a being a ritual or religion into a relationship. It doesn't say, therefore, if any man or anyone is in the church. The church is the body of Christ. We know that the actual church is made up of people who are in Christ. But along the way, there are people who have gotten the impression that if they are just a part uh, of a church body, they're, they're a member of a local church that that's all that's necessary. Well, the assumption is when you become a member of this church, the requirement is that you have to have received Christ, right, into, into your life. You have to be in Christ. But, of course, it's certainly possible for someone to say that and it not be true. So being, being in the church is not the same necessarily. By church, I mean the, the entity like Cornerstone Baptist Church, you can be on the member role because we accept your profession of faith. But if it's not real, that's between you and God. We can't know that absolutely. We accept people based on their profession. But you have to be actually in Christ in order to be truly saved. And that happens when you actually receive him. When you confess your sin to him and ask him to forgive you, he does. He will. And that is a forever relationship. But that's why Paul is so much emphasizing here. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. It's, in, it's imperative to be in Christ. The Old Testament helps us see uh, what that really means. Think of uh, what happened with Noah. God told Noah to build the ark, right? Because judgment was coming. God was going to destroy every living thing on the earth. And only those in the ark would be saved. And so before the rains came, Noah and his family and then all of the creatures that were in the ark and God shut the door on them, and then the judgment came. The only ones who survived were those in the ark. Well, the judgment is coming. The judgment be, that uh, was determined at the moment the fall happened and sin became a reality. When Adam and Eve sinned and then all of us, we sin ourselves. We're personally responsible for our sin. Every human being will sin. And therefore, the end of that is death. 
separation from God. Not just physical death, but eternal death. That judgment is coming. And only those who are in Christ, even as they were in the ark, only those in Christ will be saved in the face of that judgment. But the wonderful thing is we can be in Christ. And you are in Christ if you have asked Christ Jesus to forgive you and to come into your life. And so Paul is telling these believers, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. We, we call this moment that we receive Christ, we call it the new birth because that's how Jesus described it, being born again, born from above. And that happens through the grace and mercy of Christ. And when you receive him, the Holy Spirit, he, the Spirit of Christ places us in union with Christ Jesus. We are in him and he is in us. And that will never change. And so just as uh, Christ is the author of salvation, he's the keeper of salvation. And I hope you see why that must be true. Because it says if anyone's in Christ, he is a new creation. Those who are trying to work their way to heaven or think that salvation is dependent on them. My salvation today is dependent on what I do or what I say or what I don't do. No, it's not. Your salvation from beginning to end is dependent on Jesus Christ and his mercy and his grace. Why do I say that? Because you're, you're a new creation when Christ Jesus comes into your life. The word used here is the same word used for the beginning, the creation. We don't ever walk around saying that we created the world or the universe, do we? Yet this is the word used by Paul. When you're in Christ, you are a new creation. You're of a different kind. By the power of God, you have been made new. Not just refurbished. Not just, uh, you know, worked on a little bit. But the word is saying that you are made brand new. As if God spoke out of nothing and created the universe, God has made you brand new. And so creation then is something we would always say, of course, only God could speak and bring something into existence. Well, only God can save you and change you and make you a brand new person of a different kind because you now belong to Jesus himself. Now, it is true that in a sense, it is restoring us to what God always intended us to be. But it isn't something we can do ourselves. He makes us by his own power and grace. Uh, Charles Spurgeon said in a sermon, A creation is a radical new departure. Salvation has been likened to healing, and it is. But a healing is a restoration of something to a healthy state. A creation is the importation of something that has never been before. 
Salvation is even likened unto a resurrection, but this too is not as radical as a creation. In the resurrections that are in the scriptures, other than the resurrection of Jesus, it was primarily restoration to an old life and old relationships, but to die again. This creation is completely new in kind. God has created you for himself. And when he saves you, he makes you a new creation. And so that's a, that's a work that only God can do. And that's why when, as Christians, we live for Christ, we're, we're not trying to make ourselves worthy. We're not trying to somehow make ourselves new. Only he can do that. And he has made you a new creation and the more we live as a Christian, the more we should become in the image of his son, Jesus Christ. And that's the will of God for us, that we be in relationship with him and then that we become like him. And that is what God is doing through all the ups and downs of life. He is shaping us at, to make us into the conformed to the image of his son. One writer said, in a real sense, this is the only new thing since the record of Genesis 1. The only new thing that has happened on the face of the earth is when he saves you, when he saves somebody, when he makes you a new creation. It goes much deeper than the reformation of an old life. It is a radical concept. I don't think we think of it quite that way most of the time. But don't lose sight of how amazing it is that when you receive Christ, you are made a new creation and you belong to him. And it says the old has gone and the new has come. Everything has been made new. The unique work of God creation and then john macarthur said in this new creation it must be done in spite of the sinful resistance by man to the will of god it must be done even though man stands in opposition to the word of god the power and grace of our god has never seen a greater expression than in the new creation making of sinful man into a new creature and so we look, we wonder where are the miracles today? You know, we read the miracles that happened in the Bible and we think, boy, it'd be nice to see miracles. There's no greater miracle than the fact that in every life sitting in this sanctuary, when you receive Christ into your life, the miracle of creation, the new creation took place in your heart he made you a new creation. So don't lose sight of the, the miraculous saving power of God. And only Jesus can bring that change. Adrian Rogers said, real change starts with a new life, not just a new leaf. You hear people say they're going to turn over a new leaf. That, that's not enough. 
not not in relationship to God. You can't just say, well, today I'm I'm go- I'm going to make myself a different person. Well, you might can you know, you might can rework some things for a little while. But you can't fundamentally alter who you are. But you see Jesus can. He can fundamentally at the very core, at the very essence, make you a new creation. And it's because we have been made a new creation that even though we are still influenced by sin in this world, in a sinful world, and we still struggle against sin, there is the possibility that we truly can become more and more like Christ. It wouldn't even be possible. If we weren't a new creation. But Christ is in us. And we are in him. And he is at work on us. Constantly at work. To change us. To become. Like him. And someday. That will reach its fulfillment. When we step into heaven. We will be like him. The Bible says. For we will see him. As he is. That. That process is, it's in motion. We are saved once and for all. The moment you receive Christ, you're made a new creation. And that process is at work so that someday it will be utterly complete when we step into heaven and become like him. And when it begins, what does the Bible say? He who has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. So what he begins, he will complete. And that's why we believe absolutely, based on the Scripture, that when you receive Christ, you are saved to the uttermost. You are saved forever because it's his work. So let's do all we can to let God be glorified through us. To let others see Christ in us as we become more and more like him. Because we are a new creation. And that ought to be visible to the world around us. 2 Corinthians 5, 15. A couple of verses back up there. Look at verse 14 and 15. For the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. When we are saved, when we are made this new creation, we no longer live for ourselves. But the purpose of life is to live for Christ. And I hope that this year, throughout this year, that will describe you and me, that in our lives, we want to live for him. Not for ourselves, but we live unto him and for him so that the world can experience this wonderful change that we have experienced and come into relationship with Christ. Would you pray with me? We thank you, Lord. For this amazing truth and for your miracle working, saving power. 
and that in doing so, you make us a new creation, fit for heaven and relationship with you. We pray that you'll just speak to our hearts now, and if there are decisions that need to be made here, perhaps there's someone who needs to receive your love into their life. They need to be changed by your power and grace. We pray that you'll give them the courage to step out, to come, and to profess their faith in Jesus. Or if there's a Christian here, Lord, who has struggled with this, struggled with whether they're saved or not saved, and they need the assurance of their salvation, Lord, we pray that this will be the day that they come to see that they are saved by you and they are kept by you. We pray that you will work in our hearts now and may we not leave here until we've been obedient to you. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to stand and sing our invitation hymn. I'll be up front to receive you, to pray with you. There may be someone who needs a church home and God is leading you to be a part of this church. If that's God's will, be obedient to Him. Follow His direction today. We want His will to be done. You come as God leads. Number 597. Here am I, send me. Here am I, Lord, send me unto Thee. Thank you again for coming out today. I know it really took some effort to be here today, but I'm glad you came, and I hope uh, the service has been a blessing in your life. Uh, Bill Mallory wants us to pray for his sister. He requested prayer for her. Her name is Alice Trapp. She has uh, a bacterial infection in her blood. She's in the hospital down in the Springfield area. So please lift her up in prayer and uh, pray for Bill and for his family that God will bring healing into his sister's life. Well, let's close by praying together. And uh, Bill Stockton, would you take the microphone here and lead us 
in our closing prayer. Lord, we are indeed grateful to be able to be here this morning, to be part of this worship service, to praise you for all that you do for us. Lord, we just pray that you will be with each one that has special needs. Be with Bill's sister and, and uh, just uh, pray for your healing hand upon her and all others, Lord, that uh, have special needs right now at this time. We just pray for each one. Help each one of us to be aware of other people's needs and to reach out to them in whatever way, or just hold them up in prayer, whatever is needed, Lord. And we just ask that you'll go with us as we go from here at this time and keep us all safe and return us again at the next appointed hour. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.